0: Praise the Lord today, and this is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in the great city, a state of Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you once again for attending and listening to this podcast. We are just so excited that we have the opportunity to be host custodians in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered into the saints And before we get into our teaching today on spiritual warfare, we want to stop and pray. Father, we thank you that you are the healer of our souls. We thank you, Lord God, that before you went to the cross, you were tortured, you were whipped, you were beaten. You said in your word that your visage, your appearance, your physical body was torn and ripped apart worse than any man in history. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes we're healed. Lord, we know that in the atonement, we know that one of the benefits of the atonement is healing in the body. But we know, Lord God, that the guarantee of the atonement is the healing of our sins. In the healing of our souls. And we pray today that any person that has joined this podcast today. No matter where they may be. They may be across the oceans in Africa. They may be all throughout the Middle East. Through so many Nordic and Scandinavian countries. Throughout the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, and South America. No matter where they are, God. Let men cry out. And say, what must I do to be saved that they might come to know you in a very personal and endearing and saving way? You bless everyone that's going through great tests and trials today. You bless those who are struggling, Lord God, with infirmity of their flesh. Let them know that you are a healer, that you are a physician, that you are a God that can bring Salvation and bring rivety. but above all things, God, let men submit to Your will. Let them keep their priorities in order, and seek first the kingdom of God and a right standing with You. And all other things will be added. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. <clears throat> Today we're so thankful that we've had opportunity to uh, share in this Truth Matters podcast on spiritual warfare. And before we get into our lesson, I just want to just be mindful of the words that were spoken by Adam Schiff, who. In giving final remarks at the Donald Trump impeachment hearing, he said, right matters. Truth matters. And without truth. We're lost. And that is so true today. If we don't have truth, we as a nation, we as a people, we as a world, we're lost. Last week we began to talk about and share and teach surrounding spiritual warfare. We had mentioned last week about the importance of our being saved and being born again and being adopted into Christ's royal family. And we took the helmet of salvation the most important thing that you can do and the first thing is the helmet of salvation. Some things are so important. You can't get the cart before the horse before you, if you're going to make some eggs, you just can't put eggs in the skillet. If you tend on scrambling them, the first thing you got to do is you got to break the shell. And in spiritual warfare, the first thing you have to do if you're going to be properly equipped, With the armor of God is you have to put on the helmet of salvation. That's the first thing. I got to get born again. I got to get to know Jesus. I have to make sure that I'm in right relationship with him, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't want the world and all the things of the world, the trappings of the world to get me off focus and lose my direction on getting born again and getting saved. And then the next area we're going to discuss is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. I was thinking about in warfare. Uh, If you just think back in the ancient days, the Athenians and the Roman soldiers, the Carthaginians and all of the different, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, they would wear their armor vest and their armor equipment. And in warfare, the most exposed area of the body is the chest. And you all know that within the chest, within the body resides the most vital organs. In the chest is where you have the hearts, the lungs, your liver, your kidneys, all those are in that upper torso, the colon, and the intestines. How long can we live without any of them? I remember when my daughters were little girls, I would pray with them while we were awake and and continue to pray with them after they fell asleep. And I really enjoyed when they would fall asleep because I could really say things to them, not to their conscious mind, but to their subconscious mind. I would whisper in their ear, you are special. I would tell them that they're intelligent. I would say you're beautiful. You're strong. You're successful, you're mighty, you're a winner, you're a sweet girl, because I found it was so important to feed their subconsciousness, to build up their image of themselves. Today, we live in a world that the way that you view yourself is the difference between victory and defeat in our lives. Psychologists have determined that the lack of, of low, or, or the, or low self-esteem is behind every behavioral problem within people. How we see ourselves, what we think of ourselves is pivotal in our life successes. I remember I was conducting a weekly Bible study when I was living in Texas. And a lady, I don't remember her name today, but she would always come every week. And just by appearance, she looked like and was built like Whitney Houston, maybe around five feet two, 105 pounds. And I would always offer cookies and I would have coffee during the Bible study. And she would say every time I would offer a cookie, oh, no cookies for me, I'm too fat. And she would go over to the mirror in, in the little dining area and she would look at herself and say, oh, look at that fat face. And I said, is that how you see yourself? Too often, we as people, we walk and we live like we feel or have been defined by other people. I can remember an incident when a homeless man who people viewed as a social denigrate and because people saw him as nothing and less than nothing, they considered him a burden on society, who when he spoke of himself... He spoke as if he was a loser. Oh, I'm nothing. I don't have nothing. Can you spare a dollar so I can get a meal? He considered himself a waste of humanity, one who squandered opportunities, and he lived in a woulda, coulda, shoulda mentality. And he lived in a, a life of regret that weighed 200 tons. He had no future or had no success orientation. But what he or anyone else didn't know Is that this homeless man? They had been looking for him for years because he had a rich relative who had left a will to his heirs. And they finally found this homeless man. And he was the inheritor. And he was the recipient of an inheritance that was over $500 million. When he was finally located and awarded his inheritance, he had to change the way he saw himself. He had to start speaking differently concerning himself. He had to change his actions and his deeds because of who he really was. He wasn't a bum. He wasn't a waste of humanity. He was not a social denigrate. But he was the recipient of an inheritance. and It's the same thing for us as people of God. So many of us, we walk and we act like we don't have anything. We walk and we talk and act like that we're really nobody. We're looking at our natural status and our natural achievements and our physical prowess. And we forget that we are recipients of God's righteousness. Our belief and consciousness of our right standing, our righteousness with God is so divisive and it's so decisive. What does righteousness really mean for the person and the people of God? When you read 1 Corinthians 5 and twenty ones, it tells us he, Jesus Christ, he became sin for us that we Christians may become the righteousness of God in him. Everything that he was, the righteousness of God, he switched places with us. He became the sin and he took our sins and he nailed it to the cross and washed it with his blood. The fact that propitiation of Christ and that the sin debt that we owed was satisfied on Calvary. Man's sin debt could not be paid by keeping the law of Moses or Levitical ordinances or mandates of a religious culture. It is true Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe and we owed a debt that we could not pay. This is so different and contrary to all world religions. Think about it. The Scientologist Theta process can't really do it or make you righteous. You can recite the rosary all night long. It won't make you righteous. You can get baptized into the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. It can't do it either. You can chant all the rituals of Hare Krishna. And you can do all the trans... Transcendental Meditation from sunup to sundown And it won't give it to you You can practice the Salat, the Hajj And observe Ramadan and all the strict moral And dietary laws of Islam And it still won't make you righteous with God The only thing that makes us righteous with God Is our salvation and atonement Through Jesus Christ The vital life-giving principles and spiritual standing that we have in Jesus Christ is being attacked by the enemy of our soul on the daily. When we forget that we have a right standing with God, we may cower when we are called upon to believe God for dynamic exploits. When we forget our right standing with God, we lose faith when we err or sin. When we forget our right standing with God, fear will grip us, causing us to depend upon our own performance, our own works and filthy rags of self-righteousness versus the grace and loving gift of God's righteousness, which we now possess. Our filthy rags, you know, they allude to the soiled, bloody rags that a woman discards during her monthly menstruation period. And many times God sees our righteousness or our performance or the things that we think that we do or don't do that gives us brownie points with God. He says that's just like the filthy, bloody rags that a woman throws away during her menstruation period. When we forget our righteousness with God, we will not stand on the truths of Scripture in the face of this world's counterculture and sinful civil magistrates. When the enemy attacks and condemns you for your weaknesses, sin, and frailties, remind the devil that you are a child of God. You are an heir and a joint heir of God, a member of a royal priesthood who is the recipient of God's inheritance in the saints. As a child, you have a special righteous place with our God. Christ has purchased your eternal life, destroyed all principalities and powers, caused you to sit with him in heavenly places. We must ever walk in God's love and in his mercy and his propitiation, his substitution, the fact of his reconciliation, the fact of his sanctification, justification and glorification through his imputed righteousness. This is what guards our heart according to Proverbs 4 and 23 that tell us to guard and watch over our hearts, who we are and what we have for out of it proceeds the forces of life. We must keep the breastplate of righteousness, that impenetrable armor that protects our vital life source from harm and from every injury in The other aspect of the armor that we must make sure that we protect ourselves is, is we must make sure that we have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. Man, I tell you, during the NBA basketball wars, I remember Shaquille O'Neal. He injured a toe on his size 22 foot. And when he hurt his toe, because he was so valuable to the team, even though he was over 300 pounds, He was promptly fitted with a high-tech carbon insert to protect his foot from further injury. See, Shaquille O'Neal is not so Godzilla-like and dominant when his foot was hurting. He couldn't jump as high. he, He couldn't rebound and dunk as well when his foot was injured. Soldiers in combat suffered tremendously when they contacted what was called trench foot frostbite and infections during conflicts. So it is with us. We are not as effective and we don't function as well spiritually if our spiritual feet are not totally whole. God designed the armor for our feet to be covered with the gospel of peace. People of God, our stability in spiritual combat is achieved with the peace that comes with the assurance of our salvation, our right standing with God, and the comfort that comes through peace. See, peace is the most precious commodity in the world. If we look at life circumstances, we will find that the need for peace pervades in many areas. What are some of them? Just think about the importance of peace in a marriage in police departments. Think of gang members. Think of the Middle East communities. Military forces. They flourish or they fail because of the ingredient or the presence of peace. So many people throughout the world are living with stress concerning coronavirus, H1N1, Ebola, in a host of viruses that are persistent in our lives. The fear of our children, our elderly loved ones, and friends being exposed to a potentially fatal virus is causing ulcers. People are getting insomnia. They can't sleep at night. They're getting anxiety and having panic attacks. The threat of sickness and touching something and being around someone might sneeze on me. I might get exposed and I might die quickly if this virus gets a hold of me. The threat of sickness and death are very real, and it is a very serious concern. But we must find peace from Christ and through Christ's word, through life's challenges and trials. God gave us so many promises in the word. Why are we emotionally unraveling? Why are we all distraught? Why are we so fearful about losing a job? Why are we so concerned about tomorrow? Why do we think that there's no light at the end of the tunnel? What are we thinking about if I lose a paycheck? Do we feel that that's going to be the end of us? Do we really trust material things to that degree? We depend too much on the material, the physical and the temporal. More so than the spiritual. The eternal and the reliable, which is Jesus Christ, His word and His promises. Jehovah said, There has not failed one of the 8,560 promises that I promised unto my people Israel. There has failed not one. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the words that I promised. It will last forever. The word that proceeds out of my mouth, it will not return or come back unproductive, but it will accomplish the thing where I sent it to do. It won't fail. He told us in Matthew 6 and 33 that we should first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, and everything else that we worry about will be taken care of. If I can just give you my own paraphrase, you put me first and take care of my business and I'm going to handle your earthly business. Jesus chided us and asked by worrying, can you add a cubit to your height? Those in my listening audience, can you? Why are you worried about your job? You worried about your career? You worried about your health? You're obsessed with, oh, am am I going to recover? Am I going to make it? Can worrying about it change anything? Can you add an inch to your height? No. Well, why are you worried about it? Can you feed yourself? No. Can you clothe yourself? No. Jesus said his eyes on the sparrow. He said he feeds them every day. He sees the lilies of the field. And he dresses them up lavishly and more lavishly than King Solomon's. In all of his fancy robes finally Jesus asked the crucial question how much more are ye than the birds or the flowers of the field hmm how much more he is Jehovah Jireh he's our provider Jesus said in Luke 12 and 34 that people experience their hearts being in dissipation Worrying about the things that are coming upon the world. Don't have a heart attack. Don't have a stroke. Don't let hypertension overtake you because you're worried. Jesus admonished us to pray so that we can endure and stand before the Son of God. When Jesus was out in Galilee crossing the river, the, 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 uh, the lake, He told the raging sea, he said, peace, be still. The enemy of our soul wants to still kill and destroy our peace. The Japanese, the, the absence of peace has been the catalyst in so many of the world's most destructive events. I think about the Japanese when we were dragged into World War II. I remember the Germans, they attacked Poland. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Since 1900, there has been over 280 wars and over 85 million deaths due to the absence of peace. The United Nations and Camp David and so many armistices and treaties have been created to prevent wars and death and wars. I remember the headlines in 1945 when Japan surrendered. Japanese surrender, World War II ends, people were had confetti and they were running down the streets all through Manhattan because peace had reemerged in the world. There's been a long standing war that has escaped the headlines. It's been in play for centuries, but this battle is outlined in Revelation 12. What are you talking about, Pastor Adams? It says there, its first act of war was an attack of Eve during the temptation in the garden. This was the first incident of the breaking of peace. James 4 and 1 asked the question of, where's the source of wars in this spiritual realm? What causes it? And the results is sin and death. Our war and conflict is in a spiritual war that placed mankind as enemies of God through sin. And nothing could stop this war and bring peace with with man and God, but the atonement that brought salvation and righteousness, therefore bringing peace. There's been a spiritual war with two distinct sides, one that is built on order and the other is built on disorder. One is built on purity and holiness and the other is built on sin, perversions and every evil way. There is one that is built on absolutes and another that is built on relativism and situation ethics. There is one that's built on submissiveness to God, and the other one is built on living in accordance with our own personal views, interpretations, and proclivities. Jesus brought peace, and the gospel of this peace is what provides spiritual stability for the people of God. Many doctors have discovered that the number one component in physical sickness in the world is stress. There are so many people who experience panic attacks and, and they're so worried about the threat of losing a job or getting unexpected sickness or incurring a major expense from a car accident, a possible carjacking, a drive-by shooting, or a home invasion, a terrorist incident. They got one gun. They got a Glock. They got an AK-47. They got an AR-15. They got hand grenades. They got everything. They got themselves living in a fortified prison camp because they're so worried and afraid of what's going to happen. We've been losing in the battlefield that is being fought in the mind, And we can't rest in Jesus's peace. We've got to rest in his peace. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and you shall find rest for your soul. We shall still be yoked with the thoughts and anxiety and fears that the gospel of peace has ratified. And that's where we need to be. So we thank God today for you listening to this Truth Matters podcast. And we pray that you will keep the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, and that you will take the breastplate of righteousness and that you will have on what is called your feet shod with the very gospel and the preparation of peace. God bless you, and you pray for us in Jesus' name.